Center close by in Glendale, California. I've been there for 13 years, which means I'm transitioning from youngish preacher at this point to now just normal age preacher, I guess. Because um, people are like, wow, you must have been really young when you started, and I had no idea what, what I was doing, that's for sure. Uh, just to introduce my family briefly, this is uh, my, my wife Mandy and our son Carter and our daughter Nora. Carter is super into birds, which we uh, did not expect, but he uh, basically wore us down for years, and so he now has this pet bird that is ironically named Mario, even though it's green. Um, and my wife would probably want me to say that no, Nora did not drink all of that drink, um, just FYI, and this was one of those probably dad mistakes, uh, just giving her um, all, all that sugar. Uh, she loves dance. She's convinced she has a recital coming up, and she asked me the other day, after I do this dance recital, am I going to be a real ballerina? And the answer is, of course you are, and you already are, yes. Uh, so uh, it's been uh, super fun. I'm so blessed with, with my family. My wife, Mandy, is a and copywriter and does fundraising for, for nonprofit companies. So I'm so, so, so blessed. My family and my friend Zach would probably tell you who's, who's here today that uh, it's amazing that I found this life because he knew me in college. So, and speaking of, of college, uh, I am struck by a story uh, that I experienced as I came back onto campus. When I was a freshman at Pepperdine, I had the brilliant idea that I was just not going to register my car. Because if you don't register your car on campus, then you can park wherever you want and you get a ticket and you can just throw it away because it just doesn't really matter. Um, kind of a, a shady thing um, to do. But I decided that I was going to do that and, and it worked uh, for a while. As long as I didn't leave my car like too obvious a lot of places, they would eventually figure it out. But uh, this one time, I was parked right outside the Hawk, which is where you can grab snacks, and I was parked outside the Hawk on Dorm Road, ran in and grabbed a snack and came out, and there was a public safety officer waiting there, and he said, hey, uh, are you a visitor to campus? And uh, because I didn't want to get in trouble, I said, yeah, I'm, I'm just a visitor to campus. And I was also a religion major at the time, but um, <laughs> I, was, I was a freshman. I still had some things to learn eventually about morals and things like that. And he said, well, who are you visiting? And I gave him my roommate's name. And then he's like, okay, well, you're really not supposed to park here, so just get your car out of here. And I said, sure, no problem, officer. And so I started to drive around the loop on Dorm Road, and um, he flips his lights on in his car. And he comes up and he says, sir, do you know why I pulled you over? And I said, no. And he said, well, what's the speed limit on this road? And I said, I have no idea. And he said, it's 10, you were going at least 15. So let me see your driver's license. So I reach into my wallet and I accidentally pull out my Pepperdine ID. which is just a, a giant disaster. And this guy has just cracked his case for all time. He's like, I knew it, I got you. He just thought he was Sherlock Holmes and had figured this out. He's so mad at this point that he calls his supervisor down to come and punish me. And I was fortunate in this situation because I knew the supervisor. I is a very another long story, but on September 10th, 2001, 
I severely sprained my ankle. Uh, and so then my September 11th was very different uh, than other people's experiences. Although it was sad for me too, I was also hurt and sad. Um, so I uh, got to know public safety because they were giving me rides all over campus, which is a nice thing that Pepperdine does because there's no way that you're gonna like be hobbling around campus to get to the classes and everything. And so um, the supervisor comes down and he sees his officers really mad. He, he knows who I am and he pulls me aside away from the officer and he, he puts his arm around me and he says, Brian, I know you're not a bad guy. You just made a mistake. Go register your car and all of this will go away. And the angry officer behind him yells out, and you're never allowed to drive on dorm road ever again. <laughs> and so when I got to campus on Tuesday, I took two long, luxurious cruises around dorm road just because I can. And as I think about that story and the, the ridiculous nature of that story, that the characters that are involved, there's me acting very shady and not listening to the rules and then lying about who I was and that I wasn't a Pepperdine student. There's the public safety officer who maybe was just having a bad day and had caught me, like, parked where I wasn't supposed to be, and then the second pulling over was a little bit strange. I don't really know. Maybe he kind of knew I was a student. I, I, don't, I don't really fully understand. Uh, and then there's the officer who came down and luckily was, was kind to me about the situation and was able to let me off the hook without things being too bad. You think about those, those three people who are part of, of this story and we're all contributing to it. We all are, are doing things that maybe we should or shouldn't be doing. We're all like participating in like being part of, of creating this event. And I don't think we realize that we're doing that all the time. We are a part of the ongoing creation of the world in a thousand different ways every single day. That's what we're going to talk and think about a little bit this morning. That we are, are created to create and we get the opportunity to create something of the world. And again, Sometimes it's a mistake. Sometimes it's something that you maybe shouldn't have done. Sometimes it's being a little bit angry at a student. Sometimes it's ways that we influence the world with our lives. And unfortunately, I think oftentimes we aren't really creating because of how much consuming we're doing. There's an article in Forbes magazine that says this, by virtually any measure, household expenditures, numbers of consumers, extraction of raw materials, consumptions of goods and services has ridden steadily in industrial nations for decades. It's growing rapidly in many developing countries. We are just consuming and consuming and consuming. Amazon makes life so simple. I mean, come on, you don't have the time. You're such a busy person. You don't have the time to pull out your wallet and put in your credit card information. You're too busy for that. Just buy something with one click. I saw an Amazon truck on PCH and this guy was like risking his life to run and deliver this package. And I thought about the people who owned the home who he was delivering to, I was like, man, what could that person possibly need? This multi-million dollar house and this guy's like risking his life to bring you a third phone charger or whatever it is. But then I had this moment, those moments when God convicts you a little bit, and I thought, 
But that's how most of the world would think about you. And that's how most of human history would think about you. Like, do you really need one more of those things? Or do you really like, need even the first one? Amazon delivers 1.6 million packages a day. It's everywhere. Something that we didn't even have not too long ago, and suddenly we can't live without it. A big part of uh, consumption is obviously these, where we have the ability to have a very catered experience, whatever it is that you want more information about. I'm a, a fantasy baseball person, which just means I'm a huge nerd. So the amount of like MLB like app stuff I'm looking at on here, and there's so much time that we spend doing stuff that we just don't realize how much it adds up. I saw that people spend more time banking than ever. And people in the past would say, how is that possible? You don't have to go in anymore. You can text in the picture of your check, which still freaks me out. I'm about to turn 40. Like, that's for me when I'm like, I don't know. I don't know that I trust that. Like, I'm starting to be that old person at this point because I'm a little bit worried. I don't know that I really trust that system. But people would look at us, how is it possible that you are spending more time banking than ever? It's because just, just a minute here few more minutes there, if it's just one of the things that you are constantly looking at, it adds up, and it makes a difference. And we can spend so much time consuming. I think about how when the Will Smith slap incident happened, most of us maybe weren't actually watching the Oscars, but how many people within 20 minutes had seen that video? It's unbelievable. Like these events happen in real time and all of us are consuming all of it. Even if we're not following along on Twitter or even if we're not watching the thing itself, someone sends it to you and all of a sudden you're down a rabbit hole. Did this really happen? Was it real? Like as we're trying to figure out in the moment what was going on, we spend so much time consuming. And technology can be a blessing to help us create. It definitely can. And technology is a gift to us. But are we ever creating? Are we spending time participating with God in the ongoing creation of the world? Genesis chapter 1 verse 27 very simply tells us this, God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God he created them, male and female he created them. What's the word that jumps out to you from that passage? Created, right? Over and over and over again, this passage is saying created, created, created. We serve a, a creative God. We then are given that image and we get to participate in the ongoing creation of the world. Andy Crouch says about this passage, in an age without bold face, capital letters, or even written vowels, how would you convey to readers that one section of your text more than another was of special importance? In an age long before the invention of paper, when papyrus and parchment were precious, repetition was not something a writer engaged in lightly. And so if you look at a passage of scripture and it is saying the same thing over and over and over again, it is telling you, like, this is the important idea. 
If you were to write an email and you're trying to make sure that you're getting this point across, you have so many different options. You can make the the color different, you can change the font, you can change how big it is, you can do so many different things. You can underline it. Um, If you're writing an email in all caps, probably sit on that for a while. You might not want to send it. I actually have a business idea if you want to talk to me about it where you could like write out the email and then click send but it doesn't really go anywhere. It's called email it here before you email it there. Uh, So we can talk about that uh, after class if you're interested in that idea. But there's so many ways that that we, with the way that we could write, to to say this is the important idea. I want you to get this. And that's what this writer is telling us in Genesis. Get this. That God is a creator. And you then are given that that creativity. You then get to participate in this. And the opening of Genesis is just so so beautiful. And it's calm. God sits back and creates the world. Am I going to do light today? Cool, I'll do that. But I don't want to bite off more than I can chew. I'll do a little bit more tomorrow. It's relaxing. It's a poem. This is the story of creation. This isn't the only story of creation. There are other creation stories that exist. Think of the Epic of Gilgamesh, where there's this battle that goes on. Gilgamesh has to go and fight this guy named Humbaba, who sounds like a very bad character. This is a description. When he looks at someone, it is the look of death. Humbaba's roar is a flood. His mouth is death and his breath is fire. This is where the kids get that phrase now. He had the paws of a lion and a body covered in scales. Monkey mothers sing aloud. A young monkey shrieks like a band of musicians and drummers daily. They bash out a rhythm in the presence of Humbaba. And this is who Gilgamesh has to fight. And then this fight ends up in this cosmic thing. And all of these things happen because of anxiety and tension and a battle and blood spilling. And this is what happens like this is a creation story but it's not ours our world isn't the result of chaos and and a battle and everything like seemingly like it's all going to end the world is created by a relaxed creator who then gives us this image and gives us the opportunity to join in And I think about just how we live today and how much of the way we live just gets faster and faster and faster. My wife's grandpa is 90 years old, and he has lived in Los Angeles for his entire life. And he likes to tell stories about when the city of Van Nuys, I don't know if you're familiar, but is... um, out in the valley, a very busy, very industrial part of L.A. Uh, He's 90 years old. He talks about, well, that was when Van Nuys was just an old horse town. It doesn't even make sense to us. And I know wherever city you're from, like, it's probably likely close to a big city in a suburb of something that likely where most of us are living used to be an old horse town. And it wasn't that long ago. And what's been, like, replacing the the created world, and one of the reasons why I think we love to come to Pepperdine is it just takes a couple minutes to just stand outside and be like, oh, man, this this just feels good to stare at the ocean for a minute. What's replaced all this stuff? It's just more and more technology and industrialization. 
It's really hard for most of us where we live to even see the stars at night. And what's replaced a more relaxed, created world where maybe you had animals and you were a little more in tune with nature? Freeways. The 405. And I don't know why Southern California people say the before the freeway, but that's how you have to say it. The 405, the 101. And you're trying to get where you are as fast as you possibly can. You want to make sure you don't want to waste any time. So you're going as fast to get somewhere. And so when someone is in the way of you getting as fast as you can, you just get frustrated. Uh, You throw up your hands. Just think about the kind of world that is. It forms us, doesn't it? When you're fighting to park in the Trader Joe's parking lot, because they're always way too small. Think about a created world that had old horse towns not that long ago to a world where we rarely see that kind of thing. It forms us, doesn't it? And not that long ago, the kind of technology that we have where we can constantly hear and constantly connect and constantly like just hear from everybody at every time like that used to be just reserved for people who were heart surgeons because their life was it was literally life and death so first responders at first got you know pagers and the technology but now everybody basically has the burden of a heart surgeon I was just texting in the back. Our our church serves at a a homeless shelter um, on Sunday nights, and I'd asked this guy if he could help with it, and he said yes, and so I was confirming details right before my class right now, and I'm thinking I probably shouldn't be doing this as I'm right about to talk about this because I'm a bad example of, of what this is, but we constantly have these things that are coming at us, and we are just living at this pace that just never stops. Honestly, I think we're living out a more epic of Gilgamesh-type story every single day. Where it seems like life is a battle, and you get a a text that makes you happy about something, you're like, cool, that that feels good, but then you get a text about something bad, or you hear something that happens in another part of the world, and you're wondering, how am I supposed to deal with all this? And Scripture invites us to think differently. We, the product of a creative creator. And we get to participate in the ongoing work of creation. When I was writing this series a couple years ago, I uh, thought, I, I want to do this a little bit differently because I'm talking about creativity. I don't want to do the same old things as I'm preparing this series. I'm pretty robotic in how I uh, prepare. So it's like I should unplug myself and uh, go and go actually experience something. And so I tried to write from different places in LA. And one specifically that I went to was the Los Angeles Zoo. I sat in a cafe right across from the lion cage as I was writing this. And it was amazing to watch the kids come up to the cage. They are are so excited, even though most of them probably know that the lion is coming and maybe they've been there for the 15th time. They are so excited that the lion is there. And they, they run up and they're looking, they're trying to make sure that they see it. One time the lion roared while I was sitting there. Everybody was just excited and having a wonderful time and then right next to it is the giraffe cage and the kids would run to see the lion for a minute then they'd run to see the giraffe it was like Christmas day for these kids and as I watched 80% of the adults were just like this 
Yeah, okay, yeah, okay, the lion's roaring, okay, whatever. And it was a moment for me that I needed to learn from because it's something that I'm attached to and I'm not saying that I'm perfect in any way, but it was really interesting to watch that these kids have all of this joy that's palpable. And even if as an adult you're not able to have that kind of joy, are you really like missing out on the joy that's right in front of you, at least watching what your kids enjoy a lot? We need to recognize that there's more available to us than we might think. And I know when you think about creativity, it's easy to just think about only certain fields, like, oh, you know, dancers or, or singers, actors. Those are the ones who are, like, the, the creatives. Those are the ones who do a, a creative job. I, you know, I'm just an accountant. I work in an office. But have you ever seen an accountant with a spreadsheet? It's beautiful, right? Especially for those of us not with accounting brains. And maybe you don't want to hang it in the Louvre or like watch them do a, a documentary about accounting, but an accountant's creating a certain kind of world, right? At our church several years ago, we had a, an accounting fiasco, and that was hard. It was like the whole thing kind of came, these things that you, these systems that are just going on, you know, people getting paid, all these things that are happening, it's just, it's maybe just behind the scenes, but it is creating a certain kind of world. You have the opportunity to do the same thing in, in your churches, in, in your life. As you think about how you interact with, with your kids, you can create a certain kind of world. Mark Batterson is the president of Fuller Seminary, and he says, Creativity isn't optional. Not if we're serious about conforming to the image of Christ. Creativity is the natural, supernatural byproduct of a spirit-filled life. It is the product of a spirit-filled life. We get the the breath of God over us. We don't know how many more breaths that we're going to take. But as we live that, we get the chance to make something. Again, with your gift, it might be a spreadsheet. With someone else's gift, it might be singing. But we get to participate in the ongoing work of of God, because we have the Spirit of God in us, because of the opportunities that we have with just another day. I think of the story of Genesis as, as it continues. Genesis chapter 2 tells us about Eve, Genesis 2, 18 through 25. The Lord God said, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he could name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed it up with with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. This is why man leaves his father and mother, is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. And I think those of us who are familiar with this story know the spoiler alert, what happens next. 
But I wonder sometimes if we need to just pause here for a minute. And we don't know how long it was between Genesis chapter 2 and Genesis chapter 3. How many years, by our, our understanding, I, mean, I don't even understand how they would understand time, but how long did they get the opportunity, did they get the gift of the Garden of Eden and they had the opportunity to just do something with it? With this story, we don't pause right here and ask, with all the potential that God has given them, what happens next? And again, this is something that I think we lose over time. I was driving with my son once, and he saw a picture of a horse, and it said equestrian district on it. And he said, Dad, why is there a picture of a horse here? And I said, it's the equestrian district. And he said, what does equestrian mean? And I said, uh, of, of pertaining to horses, I guess. I don't know. Um, and he said, well, what does that mean? And I said, well, it means in this area, uh, because there's not really old horse towns anymore, um, in this area, people can have horses. Well, why can they have horses? Uh, I don't really know. Why did they make the decision? He asked me about 50 questions until I got to the point where I said, all right, no more questions about the equestrian district. We're going to stop um, right, right there. I'm, you know, I'm thankful, but we're, we're done with those questions. And like, I think eventually... You learn to stop asking questions of life. Eventually you settle into whatever it is that, that your role is, and it's easy to just start to think, like, I'm just a, a this. I'm just, and it's easy to just settle in and to accept, like, this is my life. But you learn that over time. Spend some time with a kid. They'll ask you a million questions about everything. And it is their inquisitiveness that I think we need to gain a spirit of. And at the end of Genesis 2, we have no idea how long Adam and Eve spent. They've been given the gift of all of these things, and, and now what are you going to do with it? What a gift. Here's the world. Let's see what happens. I think it's sad that we don't Spend that time asking that question of ourselves. Because you have great potential. You could do something else with your life. You could quit your job. I wouldn't recommend it. Talk it over with somebody first. <laughs> but you could change everything. And we love those stories when people, you know, just decide, I'm just going to make a change and we're inspired by them. We think it's great, but you could do it too. Or you can just look at your life a little bit differently. I'm going to approach this from a different perspective. I'm going to start this new thing. And we have seven days a week, 24 hours a day. That's 168 hours. Let's assume eight hours of sleep, though let's be honest, none of us is getting eight hours of sleep. But I'll say that you're sleeping for eight hours a night, seven days. So that takes up 56 hours. Let's say you work 60 hours a week. Even with all of those things taken out, you have 52 waking hours every single week to create something with your life. And those of you with kids, I know we're kind of busy right now. There's a lot going on. But oftentimes what I think happens is we are involved in, in the world and in the stresses of life and what's happening. And I, I know that there's a lot on all of us. But then what we do is we get home and turn on a show. 
It feels like that is the currency of our world. What are you watching now? I saw a stat that said that Netflix says that most shows are binged within a week. And you say you don't have time. Again, use the technology. Be thankful for it. But don't watch it every night. You've got 52 waking hours to do something different with your life. What are you going to do? One way that I learned this, I, I, I swim, I, I swam a lot pre-COVID. I'm just getting back into it uh, post-COVID because the, the, the gym wasn't open. But uh, So I'm really, really slow again because um, swimming's hard. But one thing that I, I enjoy about swimming, because if I do other exercise, generally I have my phone because it's music and everything. But when I'm swimming, I can't do that. And I'm in the pool for an hour, and it's so weird. I think. It's the strangest experience. And there are things that, that come up from my week that I think about. I, was, oh, I, I didn't realize that that bothered me that much. Or why does, why does this keep coming up? And that time, this really sacred time for me to, to process my week for a minute. I'm, I'm a horrible swimmer. There's a guy who's always trying to give me instructions. And I'm like, no, I'm just, I'm just here to stretch out and chill a little bit. I'm not trying to, to go to the Olympics or anything. What is a step that, that you could take, a practical step, where you could consume a little bit less? Maybe that's an hour a week, and that's where you start. Something that I do, I don't have any social media on my phone, and anyone who ha- I've it, given that advice to and they followed it up and actually done it, I, they always come back to me and tell me that has completely changed my life for the better. I have access to it on my computer, but I don't know my own password because I'm protecting myself from myself. So I can, I can sign on when I'm on my computer, stay connected because I don't want to miss people's cute babies every once in a while. You know, I mean, there's some things that you do want to see, but is there a step that you could take, just a practical thing that you could just say, I'm, I'm going to stop consuming this. I'm going to start there. Because all that stuff, it adds up. And again, you can use technology for creativity, 100%. You can use it to um, do creative things, but don't just mindlessly consume. Because that's not what you're called to do. It's so easy for us to just sit back and critique everything that we see and to not actually enter in and do something with your life. But it's not the way of joy. And I would rather die risking and trying to do something than die protecting myself. And I'd rather continue to be a joyful person, even in the face sometimes of difficult things, than just standing on the sideline. Because there's things that we all have been called to do. There are gifts that we have that we need to use to bless the world. So it's likely you're familiar with Genesis 1, 2, and 3. And Genesis 1, 2, and 3 doesn't give us a whole lot of wasted information. 
I mean, it tells you, like, the whole world was created. You're like, I'd like a few more specifics, maybe. You know, like, help me understand. It's like the whole world was created, and then, and then this happened. And there, there's not a whole lot of wasted words. But there's this interesting part of Genesis chapter 2 that I think we just ignore because it's when you start to see, like, city names or names of things like blah, blah, blah. I don't really know why this is important. But Genesis 2, 10 through 14 a river watering the garden flowed from Eden. From there, it was separated into four headwaters. The name of the first is Pashan. It's wind, it winds through the entire land of Havilah, where there is gold. The gold of that land is good. Aromatic resin and onyx are also there. The name of the second river is Gahan. It winds through the entire land of Cush. The name of the third river is the Tigris. It runs along the east side of Ashur. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. And honestly, as you read that, you're like, I didn't even know that was in there. Like, what, what is all the like, aromatic resin, gold? What is this about? But I think part of what is happening here is God is giving this Adam and then eventually Eve all these products, all these goods, gold, aromatic resin, Water? What are you going to make with all this stuff? I'm a bit of a fan of Settlers of Catan. I'm a Cataniac or a Catanimal, however you like to say that. And in Settlers of Catan, I see a few people laughing. It's a joke for like two people. Um, but um, in, in, in Settlers of Catan, it, it's all about like, you have this product, you have weed, I want to trade for wood. And it's like, this, this, that's the game that you're playing. And this is what this is. All right, here are these products. You get to create a certain kind of world. What are you going to do with it? I think of eventually the parable of the talents that Jesus tells. That one person gets five, and what happens with his? He doubles it, comes back with five more. One person has two, what does he do? Doubles it. And then the last person, because he's aware of just how harsh of a, a man his, his business owner is, he buries it in the sand because he doesn't want to risk it. And he's pretty proud of this. He's like, hey, I, I know. I, I've only got one, so I'm not going to be taking this to Vegas or anything. Like, I, I am very careful with this because I know you're a hard man. And the business owner is angry and he kicks him out. And the question that, that I have reading that passage is, I wish I'd, I'd love to know if there was someone who risked three and came back with two. But I think part of what Jesus is telling us is in the kingdom of God, that doesn't happen. In the kingdom of God, if you're willing to put yourself out there, if you're willing to risk if you're willing to use the talents and gifts that God has given you, sure, you might fail in the traditional sense, but even in failure, there's great learning. And the ultimate way to not live in the way that you've been called to is to bury it out of anxiety or fear, to not use the gift that you have to bless the world. So what is the gift that you have to give? I love how Stephen King says this. What you know makes you unique in some way. Be brave. 
And remember that plumbers in space is not such a bad setup for a story. And actually, it is a terrible setup for a story, isn't it? It is a terrible setup for a story. But I know of one that's worse. A story about our forefathers set to mostly rap music. And that's a terrible idea, right? I remember when Lin-Manuel Miranda debuted one of the first songs, Obama laughed at him. Because it sounds just so out there. But who knows? What is the gift that you have to give? What is a way that God has, has called you to create something of the world? I preached this sermon series uh, a couple years ago, and I, I try to apply my own sermons to myself, so eventually I become a slightly better person. I don't want to be the kind of person that's lying to Pepperdine Public Safety for my entire life. So I just thought, what, what, can, what can I do to apply this myself? And so I started trying to do stand-up comedy uh, in, in L.A., and that's been a, a really fun experience. Unfortunately, um, I started basically right before the world shut down. There was a guy on March 6, 2020, uh, I, I did it for the third time, and the guy got up, uh, a couple guys before me, and he coughed at the microphone phone and he said sorry I just got back from Wuhan and yeah I mean we had no idea what was about to happen I don't think but then the world shut down and I haven't been able to do it uh, since then uh, but it, it was, it's been a, a very fun experience for me it's totally different than preaching because in preaching I feel like I have like two minutes or so to get to a joke but in stand-up you're like having to do all these little jokes uh, in between uh, and it's a very dark room and the, the jokes there are uh, a little tough uh, sometimes, but it's been a really awesome experience to try something that, honestly, I'm not that good at yet, and I'm learning. But I've got to tell you, when I do it, it makes me feel so alive in a way that I haven't in a while. So I'm looking forward to, to getting back and, and trying it because it's just a fun experience. So what's the gift that God has given you? And I think also in, in this moment, we have a unique opportunity. I imagine that many of you are leaders within your churches. We have opportunities as we think about this within our churches because the only thing that people know for sure is that church is going to look different moving forward. And that's an awesome opportunity for us. We get to think about the fact that perhaps sitting in, in the same building forever, like maybe there's something else we could do. Maybe there's a unique opportunity that God has put in front of us, and, and we as churches get to dream about that and think differently moving forward. Because we serve a creative God, a God who calls us to create. And in Genesis 1, we get the idea, this is the big idea you're supposed to get, that you serve a creative God, you're made in this God's image and God sets up Adam and Eve with all these resources and all of these things and says all right what are they going to do and you could ask the same thing of yourself and remember that plumbers in space is not a terrible idea for a story let's pray God we're thankful for the fact that you are a creative God. I pray that we would not 
waste the precious time we have just only consuming. I pray that we would think about what it is that you have called us to do. And even though it's, it's risky at times and even though it's, it's hard and it's easier just to not put ourselves out there, let us do it again and again because it helps us, helps us to remember that it makes life worth living. I pray for all of us as, as we lead churches in different ways to not have spirits of fear, but to understand that, that you have, have brought us into this moment and you can use it in powerful ways. Help us to, to never forget that we are involved in the ongoing process of creation. And help us to create the kind of world that we would want to inhabit. Help us to live into the reality of the kingdom of God every single day. In your son Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you guys.